This is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. I'm Logan Zoach. And I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we usually have about a 20-minute non-sequitur, maybe sometimes goes to 30. Uh, that's not true. We usually try to keep it pretty tight. Oh, oh my, my nose. My nose is getting longer. <laughs> oh, what is, what's happening? That's right, folks. Today we have a special trilogy because not only are we doing Pinocchio, we are doing three Yes, three Pinocchio films that came out in 2022. Because it's usually not our trilogies with Logan and Andy. We take a trio of films and go through one by one to discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today, the weird is the fact that there are three <laughs> Pinocchio films in 2022. A very straightforward premise. Yes, 2022's Pinocchio, A True Story, 2022's Pinocchio, and of course, 2022's Guillermo del Toro's <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we've truly been blessed this year uh, with a variety of takes. There's on a way to Pinocchio. say that. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, yeah. guess, I guess blessed is the way to put it. It's good to be positive. Um, yeah, because what's fascinating about these three films is that, again, this is a story that Andy will tell you has been in the public domain because he's checked uh, for <laughs> quite a while. So it's not like it's it's not like the Winnie the Pooh situation where this is the right. first year it's become public. Yeah, we got a we got a Winnie the Pooh slasher and a Grinch slasher this year because those characters entered public domain, and so you may be expecting an explanation as to why there are three Pinocchio movies this year alone, and I don't have an answer for you um, no. because yeah, Pinocchio has been in public domain since like 1940. Granted, uh, Disney has kind of had the the market cornered on Pinocchio since yeah. like 1940 but um yeah, but yeah. and, I, and I, I think each film in this trilogy has a different answer to the question of why are you doing a Pinocchio film in 2022 and to start us off with our first <laughs> film Pinocchio a true story uh the answer probably is I don't know if people know the story It'd be kind of we can do a different version of it and call it the true story. Yes. Or sorry, a true story. Yes. Yeah, so Pinocchio, a true story, is a film that you may or may not know about just because of clips, because the film does have an English dub. It's a Russian film. We believe it's Russian. There's a it Russian is, company behind it. Is yeah. it? Is it actually Russian? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a Russian animated film about Pinocchio and the true story, quote unquote, of Pinocchio, and there is an English dub to that film with Polly Shore as Pinocchio. Yeah, and that's kind of the the main reason that this film showed up on our radar and anybody's radar in the United States is because clips of that English dub kind of went viral on Twitter and other places of Pauly Shore's bizarre bizarre performance. Um, yeah. We also get uh, John Heater, or Hater, famous for playing Napoleon Dynamite. As the talking horse Tybalt. Yes, who you remember from all the classic Pinocchio Because remember, this is a true story. Right. This is the true story All the fake stories cut out Tybalt, but he's here in the true story. Um, yes. And actually, uh, Tom Kenny, known for SpongeBob and a thousand other voices. Which, uh, hilariously, I found out today, because I completely forgot about when we saw it initially, is in two of these Pinocchio films. Oh, okay, <laughs> he's yeah. In, he's in Del Toro's in a very small role. But right. It's, it's funny shit to see. Yeah, this happen. is the year of Tom Kenny Pinocchio films. And I you guess. know what? I bet he really enjoys that fact. <laughs> but he's yeah. probably bitter that he's not in the Zemeckis <laughs> one. I would be. I would be too. I mean, masterpiece like that. Do you think it would have been a better film if he was Pinocchio? Do I think True Story would have been a better film? I if know, Tom I'm talking Kenny about was... Zemeckis. Oh. If um, Zemeckis had Tom Kenny as Pinocchio. <sighs> 
I don't know that it would have made a difference. I don't think it. I think I don't think it would either. Because like I think the person I don't even the person who plays Pinocchio in the we'll get to this, but the one in Zemeckis does a fine job. Pinocchio is no, not really not, the problem. He's not in Pinocchio. bad. No, no, the kid does um, a good job. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's always good to have more Tom Kenny, but yes, I don't think yes. he could have saved it. No. So back to Pinocchio. True story is. Uh, it's <laughs> back a, to Pinocchio. Yes, back to Pinocchio. Uh, a true story is fascinating mainly because how it just doesn't give a shit about it seems like anything in terms of like actual story or whatnot it feels yeah like if you've ever been through a walmart bargain bin (laughs) and you saw a knockoff of like a cartoon you saw when you were a kid mainly the disney pinocchio because Nine times out of ten, if you've ever been through a Walmart, if you've gone through the movie section and you know what Pinocchio is supposed to look like, you have seen fairy tale knockoffs made by other animation studios, whether overseas or in the States, that kind of have the same look that this film has. Yeah. And the fact that this is a film about Pinocchio and the kid doesn't even look like a wooden boy... (laughs) Is already yeah. you're in for a treat. It's it's weird because yeah, they're only in the close-ups can you see the like wood grain texture yes. on his skin, yeah. but like all the medium and wide shots, he just looks like a normal person. He doesn't yeah. have like wooden joints. He no. has like human like it's, smooth yeah. joints. They're not articulated, yeah. and sen- so then yeah, when we inevitably get to the real boy moment toward the end, there is a difference, but it's so yeah, minuscule. it's so subtle. It's like, what do you? Ta- why is this the it's way? Like, we're oh, doing his skin this? cleared up. Cool. Yeah, he doesn't have acne anymore. Now he's a real person. It's also a film that like I I would I don't want to do this, and I won't. But I feel like watching the original, like watching this in Russian, maybe is a bit more fun. I'm sure it's more coherent. Yeah, because the way that the dub is done, the localization to English just feels so out there in comparison to like what the animation is doing. And yeah, it's, the jokes just kind of don't hit. Right. It's it's very common in these kind of movies, like foreign animated movies, that get dubbed into English for it to be kind of a hack job mm-hmm. when they redub it. You know, and I, th- I, there's a lot of that here, but there's also a strange amount of like interesting choices not good choices but like strange choices not just like oh i'm gonna read the line off a piece of paper with no emotion it's like no i'm gonna throw this bizarre sound or ad lib in here because i'm Polly shore or because i'm a kooky character here's the fucked up thing about this is that in any other trilogy this would be the worst one but this is not the worst Pinocchio film out of the three. And one of the uh, reasons why it isn't and why it kind of saves itself is because it is so bizarre and cheap and wild, like Andy has said, that like it just hits gold sometimes. Yeah. Comedy gold on accident to the, yeah. to the point where we cackled <laughs> so many times. Unfortunately, not as many as I'd wanted to. Right, but, right. Yeah, I mean, this is... It, I will say to the English dubs credit, um, this is like a you know a one star movie with like three stars worth of enjoyment, just for the stupid bizarre shit. One hundred percent. I do wonder, and I can't say definitively without having seen it, but like watching this in its original language, I don't know that I would have had that enjoyment factor, and it might have been no. more like a two out of five no just kind of a boring movie for sure no and i think i looked up too just with the little that you can get from this film yeah 
aren't actual Russian comedians involved in this film? There are, yeah. There's like so known there's, actors and yes, comedians. And so stuff. that would be interesting to see their performances as they try to ham it up. But yeah. I feel like that still isn't enough to sell me on rewatching this film. Yeah. You would to think, extent. like, just from the animation and like the movement of the characters, you'd kind of be able to get a sense of like, oh, that would have been a mm-hmm. moment that was like cool yeah. or whatever. But like, I I couldn't really get a sense from this of like. Oh yeah, the the English dub totally missed the mark on that mm-hmm. one. It's super stiff. There yeah. are moments where people walk like they're hand puppets, where like their feet don't <laughs> yeah. move that well, and they just like are very very slow. And yeah. also when <laughs> Pinocchio does a lot of backflips in this film, yeah, he's like a gymnast. Yeah, it just like he just does a backflip and he just stays in the same momentum as the horse that he's on. <laughs> so it's not like he falls off or anything. Yeah. And it's that classic case of like, yeah, this looks. This is exactly how it looks in terms of like mm-hmm. the amount of quality into the story, yeah. the voice acting itself. But this is also the film where a talking cat shoots Pinocchio unprompted, and it's the funniest thing in the world for yeah. a good 10 seconds. <laughs> really comes out of nowhere yeah. and just absolutely wastes him. Um, <laughs> it's so good. I do want to <laughs> talk about, just, just because this is probably, well, no, I'm going to... I'm going to prematurely walk that back. I was going to say this is the most, like, different from what people are used to in terms of a Pinocchio story. That's not true. No, it's not true. Um, Especially with these three films. <laughs> uh, but it is, I think it it avoids or dodges or excludes a lot of things that we've kind of come to expect from Pinocchio stories because of the Disneyfication of yeah. Pinocchio. Oh, yes. Um, but it is interesting, like, the ways... You would think with it being like Pinocchio, a true story. Okay. Oh, they're going to like actually adapt the original story. Because yeah. Pinocchio is like a 19th century Italian children's novel. Is it older? I thought it was older than 19th century. It's like century. 1880, okay. 1883. Yeah. Oh, but I thought it was set earlier than that. It um, must be set earlier. It might earlier. be set earlier. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah okay. written in the late 1800s oh, by okay. Carlo Collodi. Yes. And uh, it was actually like... Um, it was published in in magazines, so it was like a serial story, like a weekly. You get a chapter here, mm-hmm. chapter here, and like looking through the plot summary of the original, because I haven't read the whole thing, but the original story, so much more happens than like you could oh, get in the it. Pinocchio story. Oh and yeah, the the Disney version pulls a lot, obviously, from the original story. But there's so much more like up and down of Pinocchio's life in the original story. Like he gets murdered, he gets hanged, nice. executed, Great. and then comes back to life and then goes and saves Geppetto and stuff. Beautiful, like, beautiful. Um, Where's that? I yeah. want that. But like the 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 heavier presence of the uh, cat and um, Honest John. Yeah, in a true story is kind of indicative of the original story because they're like kind of constant characters throughout the whole thing. Whereas okay. like in the Disney version, they're kind of an inciting force, but they're not really present the whole time. Yeah, in the original cartoon, they they bring Pinocchio to the circus. Yeah. And they're there for a little bit and then they just are disappeared. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find any mention of Tybalt the horse in the original story, so I think they made that part up. Color me shocked yeah. that the talking <laughs> horse is the is the most fictional part of <laughs> the film in terms of like, oh, this is from the original Pinocchio story. Because you just, as soon as Tybalt starts the film, 
And it's like, this is not your mom's Pinocchio, is what he basically <laughs> says. And it's like, yeah. is this supposed to be cool because instead of a cricket, we have a talking horse? Yeah. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I guess that's one way that this version is true to the original story is that, like, the uh, Jiminy Cricket, the, the cricket, way less of a presence. Yeah. Doesn't um, he get killed? Well, yeah, in the original story, he's just kind of a random talking cricket that Pinocchio runs into, and they mm-hmm. don't really have a relationship, and he basically chastises Pinocchio for being a bad boy, and Pinocchio kills him, and then his ghost comes back and haunts Pinocchio later and, like, tries to teach him a lesson. God, this um, Pinocchio sounds a lot cooler than I thought. <laughs> but it's it's very much like, yeah, the, the relationship of oh, I'm the angel on your shoulder kind of thing. Yeah, the that conscience. We, yeah, yeah, we don't, that's not really, I guess it is because he's a ghost floating around Pinocchio, but it it feels way less like they have a relationship or like they're friends. It's just kind of like, I'm a random guy. It's another disney kind of aspect of yeah. the story when people think of Pinocchio yeah. where it's like, oh, he's always there. It's like, no. Yeah. And so uh, the cricket gets a little bit like something of a pulled back role um mm-hmm. here so so i guess you can c- count that as one point towards this being a true pinocchio story it was funny too when we were watching a true story there's a moment where pinocchio gets a girlfriend because for some reason two out of these three films decide that the best <laughs> thing to do to add to the pinocchio story is give him a love interest yeah as if he's not a wooden boy who has enough to deal with trying to figure out how to become real yeah but what was the <laughs> the funniest part about watching the true story with you, me, and my roommate Adam is the fact that he just went like, she looks like one of those hologram girls, and I went like, you mean like Hatsune Miku, like a like a like a Vocaloid? And he oh, goes, yeah. is that what they're called? <laughs> yeah, that. And, I was, and then after he said that, it's hard not to look at that and see that because it's like in a film that has a talking horse, a wooden yeah. boy that doesn't look wooden. A Geppetto that looks like a wizard, a cat, a fox, and a horrible, horrifying circus manager. Yeah. For some reason, the blue-haired girl really does stick out amongst <laughs> the crowd. Yeah, she she does look kind of... I get what he's saying, because what I thought when I saw her was like, oh, she looks like she belongs in uh, Earwig and the Witch, the Goro Miyazaki yeah, film. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah, there's... There, feels like there's an anime influence She's, there. Pinocchio's manic picks a green girl for some reason. <laughs> we need that in the story he's, of all things. He's Pinocchio's anime waifu. Or I love her. It's like, yeah. good lord. He's... Skitty, skitty, skitty. Yeah. I mean, Pauly Shore really is the... Sh- yeah, he's, he's the selling point of this film because he just has such a flamboyant take on Pinocchio's voice and just does like, yeah, does Pauly Shore-isms that don't have any right to be in the film, but yeah. feels clearly like they're trying to fill in maybe Pinocchio's original voice, like maybe did some goofy noises or trying to do like, <laughs> this is the time to shine, Polly. Fill it in with your take on the character. Yeah. And ultimately becomes a film that is a blast to watch at times. To a point. To a yeah. point. Because at the same time, too, I mean... The film has uh, ebbs and flows. It's definitely yeah. a roller coaster that feels like it goes on too long. Yeah. Like, it feels like, you know how a roller coaster, it's like, a lot of people love roller coasters, I think, to a degree, because it happens fast. Yeah. If a roller coaster continue to c- continues the same path, like, for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. it kind of does get tiring. 
but it's when you get to those really high points of like, you know, Pinocchio getting shot or skiddy, 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 <laughs> or the very end, Tybalt being a fucking detective and solving <laughs> a kidnapping that wasn't yeah. even a thing until 10 minutes before the finale. Uh. There's just so many fun little moments that are like great in a compilation sense, like someone... If, if a true hero out there on YouTube just puts all the best moments of this right. film up there. But ultimately, as a film itself, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah, it's it's kind of that banal, painful, like, money laundering scheme movie. <laughs> like, yeah. If you've ever seen it, this is maybe a little bit of a hard pull for, like, young, millennial, old Gen Z. But, like, if you remember Happily Never After... <laughs> Imagine like a step down from that, or even hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Hoodwinked is another one I forgot about yeah. till now, but like it just has that energy of like an independent studio trying to make their own stamp on a story, and mm-hmm. it just it's just the most banal stamp. <laughs> it's yeah, it's the most like this ain't your daddy's Pinocchio. And that it's horse talks. Literally the most milk toast daddy's Pinocchio <laughs> no. you've ever seen. <laughs> But yeah, that's Pinocchio is a true story. There's nothing else really to talk about. Yeah, with that. it's it's 80 minutes long, and even yeah. at that, it feels like a slog at times. It does, yeah, um, and because the shortest certain... one on this list, I think. Yes, because I think it gets and... a little bit longer each film we go down. Yeah, because Del Toro's is nearly two hours. It doesn't feel it, but it is definitely the longest of the three. Yeah. But yes, now we can't we can't we can't distract ourselves any longer. We have to talk about the Pinocchio <laughs> in the room. That we don't want to discuss, but have to because the dog this was fish in the room. this was always going to be the pro and con of doing this trilogy. <clears throat> yeah, this fucking film. This is Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio. Came out on Disney Plus it's Day. Disney Plus. Uh, what did you do on Disney Plus Day, everybody? <laughs> Write in the comments. Where were you when were planes you? hit Disney Plus? <laughs> You couldn't just help yourself. Where, you couldn't just help yourself with that. Where were you when Pinocchio crashed into the North uh, Tower? Pinocchio, Disney's Pinocchio, which is not Disney's Pinocchio. It's also Disney's Pinocchio. This is how confusing yeah, this is when we do. It's, it's just Pinocchio. Yes. So 70, This is the only one that's technical or that's being marketed as just Pinocchio. So 70 to 80 plus years after the classic Disney film. We get a Robert Zemeckis interpretation that wasn't supposed to be Zemeckis originally. I think, if I remember correctly, years ago, it was Sam Mendes, known for Skyfall, mm. American Beauty, most recently Empire of Light. Isn't that his film? Uh, yeah. yeah that's and also him. 1917 right. fame. And he was going to do it initially, but I think fell through, maybe due to creative differences or the fact that it's you know it's a live-action remake of fucking Pinocchio. <laughs> And left the project. The film was in hiatus forever. The only thing we know for the longest time is that Tom Hanks really wanted to be Geppetto. Yeah. And Disney wanted to do a Pinocchio film. Then the pandemic hit. Right. And so for the longest time, we had heard it was in development. And we're like, oh, okay. Why? Which is kind <laughs> of the the resounding question across most of these live-action Disney adaptations. Yes. And... When it was announced, it was announced next to it that Robert Zemeckis was going to do Pinocchio. I don't remember if this was pre or post The Witches, but I feel like either way, I think anyone should have been like, oh no, Mm -hmm. this doesn't, this is probably not going to go well. (laughs) And so, cut to 
this year in September when Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio comes out, and it is by far, this is not conje- this is not hyperbole on my part. This is by far the worst film I've seen this year. <laughs> <laughs> by far, I think so. I don't. I, I had I, to. I had to debate with myself a little what is, bit. What would it not be? Whether I this? hated Jurassic World Dominion more or not, I think. I think this is the worst, like less pleasant, l- yeah. like more worthless film. I hate Dominion more, but that's for like that's just because I like Jurassic Park. Yes. I don't care about Pinocchio. Understandable. So I, I think, but the, yes, yes, this I, is probably the worst film of I the think year. The thing, Certainly the worst, like big release. Yeah, I think it tips me over the edge because, and this is something I've always kind of grappled with when it comes to criticism, especially with my personal criticism, which where it's like, I always think to myself that I would rather hate a film than feel nothing. <laughs> than feel nothing. Yeah. And that's actually sometimes it's been vice versa for years, but this year is when I know that I would rather hate Dominion mm. than watch fucking Pinocchio ever again. Well, sure. I I definitely it, agree with that. And I actually think I feel I feel that about Dominion. I feel nothing for it, which is why I hate it. Yeah. And I, that's what I mean by that. I gotta understand. I mean, you gotta understand too, everyone out there. I was not expecting this film to be good when I watched sure, it right. initially by myself, as a morbid, curious man at the time. I just wanted to see, like, okay, Zemeckis. This man made fucking banger after banger after banger for a while. This man is because of Roger Rabbit, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. fucking Forrest Gump, and Castaway. Yes, Castaway. Like, there's so many films under this man's belt. I mean, we just talked about fucking flight this year. Yeah. <laughs> like he's done so many films in his career that have, yes, a lot of there's a good amount of bad, but there's also a lot of good. Yeah. And Zemeckis is also one of those people where it's like, God, I just want to see what he's interested in doing now. And then you watch this, <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't fucking care what he's into right now, unless it's something really weird and interesting. I don't. I never want him to do like this is a paycheck film. Yeah, it really feels this like a gun for hire like, move. Yeah, and it's like, Zemeckis there is, though. There is no Zemeckis. I mean, not that there's no Zemeckis in this, but there, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of there's any conscious Zemeckis in this. Yeah, because what's so crazy too is like I mean I watched The Witches when it came out, the same morbid curiosity that made me watch <laughs> Pinocchio, and you know what? At least with The Witches, at a certain point, I was aghast by some of the choices made, but still, when I realized that this was the story. What he was doing was Roald Dahl's original. Yeah. I went, okay, you know, I'll give it at least a pass for some of the choices yeah. it makes because this is fucking insane. Yeah, I didn't hate The Witches. I didn't particularly care for it. But I, I had was more very, fun with it. Yeah, I, I was like, this. okay, whatever. I can, I can, I guess, see yeah. what they're going for here. But, but yeah. This is a neutered version of a old Disney classic. Yeah. It takes away all the lessons that Pinocchio really learns in terms of the mistakes he's made. He makes very little mistakes in this film. Yeah. He is constantly I th- worried about the things he's doing. It's- yeah, and that's kind of a pervasive problem in like kind of not just Disney but kind of modern no, Disney you're is right. like, oh yeah, we don't want to have them be, you know, badly behaved or have this significant character flaw because they're yeah. supposed to be role models and it's like well the yeah. whole point is that they learn to be better yeah. like <laughs> but it's also it's like it's also case to case because yeah. like when it comes to dumbo you know in dumbo dumbo doesn't get drunk yeah tim burton doesn't let that happen it's but like you we- do you have a funny moment where danny devito goes you can't give the elephant booze like right. he does that it's a fun little nod to the original because in the original that 
when that happens, it's really just to have a wild fever dream of a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. And you don't have to do that here. Cause, and it's with Pinocchio, it's like, I mean, Jiminy calls a kid a jackass in the original. Yeah. Pinocchio smokes and drinks, and the whole reason why he does that is not because it's cool. It's because it's wrong. Yeah, the point <laughs> in that movie is, like, it's a cautionary tale about, yeah. like, all these kind of frivolous behaviors, so which, it, like, you know, we could get into the kind of lunacy of all that, too. Yeah. But, yeah, this, oh, yeah. Just, this just strips any sort of, like, danger or, like, comment or caution out yeah. of it. It's just kind of, it's really just going through the motions. It's also just kind of, fun. it's just wild to see, like, because we, after we watched this, we watched, uh, a snippet of the original film because there's a, there's a moment in the original film that everyone remembers because it's fucking horrifying, incredibly well done. And it's just well paced, well animated, well scored this 10 out of 10 scene. And it's one of the scenes that like going into Zemeckis film, it's like Zemeckis has done some wild shit in his Mm -hmm. career. This could be a moment that like, you know what? This film's not good, but at least that moment was good. Yeah. And that's the donkey scene. And the donkey scene fucking blows like everything else in this goddamn movie. It's yeah. so neutered and silly and loses all of the horror. Just the fact that the animation on the donkey face on uh, Lampwick. Candlewick. Candlewick, thank you. Yeah. I've, I've been constantly mixing that up. <laughs> but like when Candlewick turns around and he's just the most CGI donkey I've ever fucking seen. It just loses all of that impact where it's yeah. like. And now it's just a cartoon again mm-hmm. when it's supposed to be real, but it really isn't because these live-action remakes can't pick a side or find a way to mix well. Right. And so you get to a point in this film where it's like, oh, maybe this scene from the original will be done well. No. <laughs> uh, maybe this. No. Yeah. Well, maybe Monstro will be cool. I guess. I doesn't. He's, nah. not a, he's, not a, he's not scary yeah. like he is in the original film. In the original film, he is... He's almost treated like a god, if I remember correctly. When he shows up, it's fucking yeah. horrifying. Yeah. And in this, it's like he's got tentacles now. <laughs> right. I he's guess a kraken. He's not a whale anymore. He's a kraken. And it's like, guys, why are we making these just <laughs> tertiary choices? Like these changes yeah. that have nothing to do. I mean, I wanted to watch this to an extent. What well, I mean. You're probably asking yourself out there, like, Logan, if you didn't like Zemeckis' version, why the fuck did you make Andy do this trilogy then when you'd have to watch it again? (laughs) Well, that's an easy answer, folks. I wanted to see Andy react to it. Because I was like, Andy and I have been together for some good and bad films this year, (laughs) and nothing made me more excited than to see, like, I want him to see the true horror that this film puts into you. Because when I initially told you I think that I think this is the worst film I've seen this year, you were shocked. Yeah. I feel like this is the film that really cuz we yeah. saw Dominion together. We did see Dominion <laughs> so together. So you're like, so. "Oh, that's a big that's a tall order right. to really follow." And so to watch you at one point when everyone's favorite furry Honest John uh. calls uh calls Pinocchio, we could give you a stage name. How about Chris Pine? Oh. And to see you and my girlfriend's reaction be equally horrified and disgusted, I went this is what I'm here for. The soul just the, leaving our husks. The shot of Freud of just watching other people be miserable <laughs> watching this film. That is the only way to enjoy this film is that is to uh, watch it. I mean, I this might be this might be my least favorite live action Disney remake. Yeah. 
What's I don't it know. competing with? <sighs> Mulan and Lion King. Okay, yeah. Like, that's the thing is, all three of those films just seem to completely miss and forget why the original is as good they're, as it is. Yeah, they're just hollow. Like, yeah. hollow attempts at just recreating that. Because it's funny, too, because it's like, what would I hate more? Scar doing a Hobo Johnson impression of Be Prepared or Tom Hanks being too afraid to sing a single song. Oh, my God. And so he sings Geppetto's song like a... He doesn't sing it. He's spoken word poems it. Yeah. He just speaks it like a spoken word poem, and it's like, I don't know what I hate more. (laughs) It might be in the same boat. I mean, if anything, maybe I hate Lion King a bit more because it's like that original film's like 90, 100 minutes, and the remake is like two hours. Yeah. But, like, this film is just awful. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, it literally it's, down... it's pretty much beat for beat the original animated yeah. film. Um, so it's like, you know, at least if it at least if it were Pinocchio, a true story, and did a different version of the story or added weird scenes or something, yeah. but it's like it's literally just bad recreations of all the scenes from the original movie. Pinocchio looks longer. at a pile of horse shit. Yeah, it's the most memeable part about this fi- film, and you saw that before you even saw the yeah, film. Just a frame of Pinocchio, Pinocchio staring at a pile horse of horseshit, and there's nothing where he's like, "Ooh, what's this?" Like, it would actually be funny <laughs> if he played with it. Yeah, if he like, if like Zemeckis went another pe- like part forward, where it's like another step forward, it's like let's just have him like he, he doesn't know anything. Yeah, it goes to reach for yeah. it. Yeah. Like he just like is playing with shit in the middle <laughs> of the road. It's like there's a creativity that like genuinely would be funny to see happen. Yeah. And ultimately, what you get is just like I don't know. We got to fill this gap with something, yeah. and so we have like a, an awful Jiminy Cricket impression. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. who is a good actor. Oh yeah, done great films, but like he is obviously doing an impression of the original film, but it's so grating yeah. in comparison to everything else. Figaro re- is in this. The cat Figaro, yeah. is completely. CG completely CG and looks terrible. Yeah, because it's a Disney Plus day film. <laughs> right, right. It's it's like the Lady and the Tramp, where it's like, oh, I mean, there's only so much you can do with this, but yeah, is this what you're gonna do with it? <laughs> <laughs> and Cleo is still, for some reason, the sexiest fish in Pinocchio. I don't know why she looks the way that she does. Yeah, it's like, why is that fish got like a woman's face on it? Right. And why like, is this the goal? Yeah weird feminine features yeah i mean making a fish the thing about these live action remakes where it's like i'm not entirely against doing these to an extent i feel like with older properties where it's like to be completely honest and this might sound silly to people out there while i'm not a big peter pan fan i am a big david lowry fan and i am kind of curious to see how his peter pan and wendy film is oh yeah because they they are making some interesting choices they are doing some things from like the the like theatrical setup where it's like Jude Law is playing both father and Captain Hook. Yeah. They have the you know, the whole crew is already casted and also David Lowry is just a great director. Right. And I feel like at this point in his career he doesn't have to do something like this <laughs> unless he wants to. Also he did Pete's Dragon, which is strangely really good in its own way because <laughs> the original Pete's Dragon is sorry mom, not that good. Not good. Like it's not it's it's a fever dream. But it doesn't mean it's good. Uh, and so when it comes to these live-action remakes, it's not like there isn't an untapped well with some of these stories. But a lot of these untapped wells are films that failed. And they don't want to remake those films. 
Like, in my opinion, if you want to do a live-action remake, do, like, Atlantis or Treasure Planet. I know we're both two recent options, and I know people like Treasure Planet out there. I live with one of those people. I do like Treasure Planet, but, like, that film was one of the biggest bombs Disney ever had. (laughs) And while they could make a better version of that film to an extent, there is a... They could. There's always a possibility. Yeah. But with these with these newer live action remakes, it's such the barometer is so all over the place yeah. in terms of quality. It's like they could do something better, but are they gonna? Like right, it really right. it doesn't What's, really seem that that yeah. could be that's a, a definite thing. It's interesting how so I mean, I don't disagree with you that the, the quality has been so all over the place with the re- these remakes, but like only up to like yeah, it was decent. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the best it gets is like, okay, yeah, yeah it's fine. The best it gets is Jungle Book. And then <laughs> by that point, it's like, I understand why people love Jungle Book and I understand why people are like, it's fine. Like, it is it is a film. I even think the Jungle Book has that, that remake has issues that are clearly like, yeah. we are adding some new stuff that like, yeah, does add some more depth to the story but at the same time also brings up new questions that i don't think you have answers to at the moment yeah and so ultimately when that when the best film you have is still like this is pretty great but has uh, this uh, i don't know about this or like oh this is fine but uh, this i don't know about this like it automatically is just like okay so regardless of what they do they're gonna have some questionable choices (laughs) and this is a film of questionable choices you have a Luke Evans performance where they're hiding him constantly behind makeup, <laughs> and he is trying his absolute best to do something with what he's given, and it's practically nothing because he's on a fucking green screen, it seems like, the entire yeah. time. You have a Tom Hanks performance that is just bad. It's awful. It It's just like you would hope this man who's wanted to be Geppetto for so many years yeah, what would it- really... What's with Tom Hanks and doing just like cartoony performances now? I mean, he did. You know, I I actually just watched Elvis finally last night, and oh, he's he's uh, Colonel Tom Parker in yes. that, and he's a very cartoony Tom Parker. It works better in that film because that film it's is Lerman. insane. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Baz Luhrmann, um, and it's but it's still kind of like, dude, what? <laughs> why? It's weird because the man is like it's. When it comes to Tom Hanks, it's fascinating because while he is an iconic actor and is considered, I would say, a Hollywood star still, oh, despite yeah. getting you know flops here and there, the man just, for some reason, never really does villains. And when he does, it seems to backfire on him. Yeah. So he goes long spouts with just being the good guy for the longest time, then he comes back to be a villain once, and then it like just throws people off because it's like, why are we doing this right now? Because, yeah. like... I don't know, he probably does play a villain between Cloud Atlas and Elvis, but when I think of his big villain roles, I think Mm. of Cloud Atlas and Elvis right now. And with something like this, it's like, I don't know why he wants to be in this. (laughs) Like, I understand being a creator and wanting to do a Pinocchio story, because we'll talk about it with Del Toro. It's clear that there are other inspirations from other works that you can put into your Pinocchio that, like, give it a little bit more of an interesting kind of angle, whether it's historical or thematic. But in this, why the fuck do you want to be Geppetto? Right. And I think another reason why is I think Tom Hanks, while he was Geppetto for a good part of the production, if I remember correctly, and I really just remember this now, and you can fact check me, Andy, just to make sure. 
I think maybe did Robert Downey Jr. want to do something with this at one point? Um, did RTJ like towards the end of MCU kind of want to do something? I know he wanted to be in. He was thought of for Oz because we talked oh, about that. Oh right, right. Yeah, I haven't seen d- any mention of him. Okay. I just because there's a there's that long spout where RDJ did a, just like had these other projects that he wanted to do, and ultimately landed on Doolittle being the one right. that actually gets made with his company. But no, it might have just been Hanks the whole time, and I think in that <laughs> that just makes it sadder. Yeah, because it's like he's in a film where he has to sing, and this is a character he obviously wants to play because he's in it. He's also, I think, the main reason why Zemeckis is in it because he's got a good relationship with him. Yeah, and says Bob could do it because, like, he talks because he talks to Robert Zemeckis like they're best friends. Right, yeah. calls him Bob, and you can't even try to sing the song. <laughs> right. Just the single song. Right, like how how much do you really care, man? I mean, like, it's just it's just a film that, like, the day we watched it. I mean, I was excited to watch it with you. Just again. The shot and fright of it all to see you just watching horror yeah. as things unfold. But as I was telling my girlfriend, she was like, "I want to join." And I was like, <laughs> "Do you really want to?" And she's like, "Yeah, that, that sounds like it could be funny. How bad that is!" <laughs> and she sat with us and watched the entire thing with us and just went like, "Yeah, you didn't. No, you weren't joking. There was no. That was awful." And I was yeah. like, yeah, "Yeah, this movie sucks." This is the if there is if I ran into someone that said like I like movies but Pinocchio makes me hate movies <laughs> like every now and again I would understand yeah. because it's just like everything you would you would think you would hate in like a corporate product per se a capitalist product yeah in a one fucking ninety it's right. it's a hundred and twenty it's like a hundred minutes but it ends at the ninety minute mark <laughs> there's like ten minutes of credits yeah and it's like so this is worthless <laughs> yeah. to a degree and you yeah. still and it's such a bummer yeah it's it's like i mean pinocchio a true story you get a wild hair you get to drinking you throw this on okay you have a good time maybe yeah do you not watch disney plus no. pinocchio we Just don't watch it yeah ever don't we, support it don't think about it after you finish listening to this episode you're done yeah it's over we both i would forget both, about i think we would both agree that our enjoyment of a true story was amplified by the fact that we watched Zemeckis's first yeah so when we watched something that genuinely made us feel something mm-hmm. even if it was just very surface level yeah like you know fleeting moment it was we embraced it and we held on to that moment for as long yeah. as we could this is a whole movie of nothing like yeah, it's it's just like the little things that are added. It's like all the things that you would have an issue with with the other Disney live action remakes times like three. Yeah, it's all in here. Like it just neuters every kind of lesson part, like part of it that could be educational or fun for kids yeah. or even dark and scary for kids. Because again, the original is kind of dark and scary if you're a kid. Yeah, and just to watch this and it just is like. Yeah, I guess that Pinocchio does look like Pinocchio from the original film. Mm-hmm. He does move like a puppet. Yeah. That honest John, I bet those furries love him. Good for him. And which <laughs> yeah. there's nothing wrong with being a furry. I'm just saying it's hard yeah. not. It's shut up. <laughs> I'm not gonna. If there, <laughs> we've all you've already made a 9/11 joke about Disney Plus. Don't <laughs> neuter me, Logan. <laughs> Don't be the Disney Plus to my Robert Zemeckis. 
because that's just, totally what happened. Yeah, um, it's hard not to watch that. I mean, it's hard not to see Honest John and be like, this is the most effort I've seen in this film. Yeah. In this one fucking fox. From the movement to the design to this hair. And also Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. He's got some of the worst lines in this film, and he sells them as best as anyone can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I got an email the other day. Um, it, this time of year, I, I get a lot of, like, emails for, like, four-year consideration screeners. You know, studios trying to send me movies to watch to consider mm-hmm. for annual awards and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I got one for a movie called uh, A Lot of Nothing. And I haven't watched the movie, and I don't want to... I'm not going to shit on the movie or anything. I have no idea what the movie's about. But the mm-hmm. email read as such like we would like to provide you with a screener for a lot of nothing Nothing. please enjoy a lot of nothing please consider a lot of nothing for your awards this year and now i just think of pinocchio when when i read that email i'm like that's a lot of that screener email was about pinocchio it wasn't about that movie it is by far zemeckis's worst film like i again as someone who did not really like the witches that much. I appreciate that film more because <laughs> of like how Pinocchio turned out. Like Jesus Christ, I cannot believe all this time and all this like you know Zemeckis having. I mean Zemeckis still has some clout. Yeah, to a degree. I know like he even ra- if it's kind of like legacy clout. Yeah, he ran he ran the Polar Express era down to the ground. Yeah, to the point where he unfortunately. Couldn't do his Yellow Submarine film. Not saying that it could have been good, but that would have been a treat (laughs) to see that come into fruition. But ultimately, it's just it's hard to see a director that's been in the industry for this long and has so many classics. I mean, he's made one of my favorite films of all time, uh, Roger Rabbit. Oh, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And so to see him be like that man helped redefine like an animated film in the scope of live action. To see him have the best version of that and also. The worst version of that is astounding, <laughs> but also depressing. Yeah. So, yeah, Zemeckis' Pinocchio is god-awful. You can watch it if you want, but uh, we don't revise it. Yeah. Never will. And if you come back to me and say, Logan, that was truly awful, I go, yes, did you not listen? <laughs> we made it clear. We have talked about this longer than we talked about yeah. <laughs> the true story because Ge- of that. Generally, I think we kind of record these episodes you know, hopefully that people who haven't watched the movies can understand, but like really we're kind of talking about it as though the person listening has probably also seen the movie yes. or is about to go watch the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a case where, you know, if you have already watched this movie, we're sorry. Uh, not our fault. You made the choice. But, you know, if yeah. you haven't watched this movie, definitely don't. And, and just just pretend we never brought it up. Yeah. There's, there's other stuff on Disney Plus that... It was more fun in a so bad it's good way. Yeah. That's that is not the thing you should spend your time with. I still need to watch Timmy Failure. What the fuck? Mistakes is that? were made. It was one of the first things on Disney like first original things oh. on Disney Plus. And I just remember seeing the trailer and it's called Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made. His last name is Failure, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um and in the trailer he just says, Mistakes were made. It's like his bazinga. He it's like oh. his catchphrase. I think there's like only um, like two non-marvel star wars things i've watched they're disney plus originals yeah and one of those was like star girl oh, which was like which yeah. was like a cutesy kind of like based off of a novel not to be confused um, with the dc star girl yeah or something like that it was yeah. kind of like what that name was and the other thing was uh it's 
it's I say it's not MCU, but it's still Marvel related. The Marvel Hero Project, because I worked on one of those episodes, and that's oh. like the only, <laughs> like all the other non uh, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney Plus things I've seen. It's like. I think Bluey is the one thing I hear people talk about the most, and that's not even theirs. Yeah, it's not original. So, yeah, it's not saying that it can't, that they don't have good content. Apparently, the Mighty Ducks show is probably fun if you like the Mighty Ducks films. I mean, they have a bunch of cameos from the kids from the original, and they're all probably in their 40s and have mortgages. So it's cool to see that, you know, bring, bring the torch back to the Mighty Ducks fans. Yeah. We're only doing this because I don't want to talk about Zemeckis' Pinocchio anymore. <laughs> well, let's before we jump into our final chapter here, let's let's lift the mood a little bit. Have you seen any have you seen any quality animation or animated adaptations recently? I mean, anything good? I just recently watched Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen yes. very much of the show, but I watched the movie on Netflix. And that I've, was a lot of fun. I well, actually I did the whole show this year mm-hmm. in prep for the film because mm-hmm. the show is not that long and to be honest i read your review of it on letterbox and i completely understand where you're coming from with your fallbacks of it but as someone who's seen the whole show mm-hmm. it's actually just a sad thing cause it's like you aren't entirely correct but entirely wrong about like it it the story is so out there because it's like they can't it might come back it might not like it always, it always oh i didn't feels... have problems with it being out there no, the, like the contrivances and stuff. Is yeah, like, just kind of like it, keeping it real close to the vest. Yeah, because like that unfortunately is a lot of the show. Yeah, because like it, like it does some. I mean, the animation in the show is fucking beautiful at its best yeah. times. But again, it's a show that was unfortunately butchered by Nickelodeon. It seems right. to an extent, and that film was a lot of fun, and I had mm-hmm. a fun time watching it. And I would all argue too, it's pretty. I'd say that's better than most of the TMNT films. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, ultimately, yeah, it is. That was a really good time. Uh, in terms of adaptations, I guess Cyberpunk Edge Runners is like oh, yeah. the thing that comes to mind in terms of an adaptation of like a property. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, to be honest, if we're talking about the most recent thing I watched, it's a good adaptation. It is the third film on this oh, trilogy. Yeah. I mean, it. If you're listening to this now, because you know we we record live as we this has come out, this is a day after Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio has come <laughs> out. So just keep in mind, like Andy said, when we talk about these films, we tend to spoil them as we go through. This is spoiler heavy. We we're gonna talk in depth about del Toro's Pinocchio because it's yeah. only fair. We we talked to shit about the other two films. It's only <laughs> fair to do with this one. So. Go see the film and come back at this point to listen to right. it. Because to be honest, I I think that one of the reasons why, if you're still asking, okay, so you still wanted to see some Andy's face with Zemeckis, that's fine. But why <laughs> did you still watch a shitty Pinocchio film? On top of that, it's like, because to be honest, I think Del Toro's Pinocchio was the nice way to end the series. Mm-hmm. Because I love Guillermo del Toro, and this film has been in development almost as long as Zemeckis' Pinocchio. Yeah. And even maybe even a bit longer. Guillermo del Toro is very fond of development hell. I swear to God, this film was in de- became in development where it was like, you can't do your Justice League dark film, de- del Toro. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'll see if I can do this. <laughs> right, yeah. And now we have his latest film, a man that has had quite a journey these last few years post-Oscar win. Mm-hmm. Where he's gone from, you know, making a passion project that is based off of a depression era narrative, Nightmare Alley oh, from last yeah. year, to 
a uh, cabinet of curiosities from yeah. Netflix this year, which is basically him being like, let's do kooky weird shit, horror but also shorts and yeah, stuff, with a bunch yeah. of horror fans that friends that I have that do directing yeah. stuff, and I used to watch all those. Yeah, but, I haven't seen them. Um, and to this, which is basically exactly what you think it is, it is Del Toro's take on Pinocchio. And if you know anything of Del Toro, you know this has elements to Frankenstein. This is going to get real weird and dark at quite a bit of uh, at a wild yeah. pace at times. Del Toro and, loves the the kind of mixture of whimsy and macabre. Yeah, and that's what this is. It's Pinocchio in fascist Italy. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. Which this is, is something I don't know about you. I had no idea that was the premise. That's that, like was, that was the, the setting. That was the first thing I heard about the okay. film years ago. That it was going to be set in fascist Italy. I heard it, and then I saw the concept art, and I went, this looks horrifying. I cannot wait. <laughs> and I waited. <laughs> yeah. I definitely, I think a decade. I think this film has been in development for about a decade. Uh, I think, like, 15 years. <sighs> Not surprising. <laughs> like, on, in all honesty, like... I think it was, like, 2008 when he announced it. Because the thing about Del Toro, too, is Del Toro is a man... That for some reason, despite his accolades, despite his reputation, despite critics loving a good chunk of his filmography, the man seemed to can't get a Frankenstein film to save his goddamn (laughs) life. So what better way than to make a Pinocchio film that has, you know, an air to it that's very Frankenstein-esque and is able to use that in a way to not take away from the Pinocchio story, but enhance it and discuss story about life and death freedom capitalism fascism propaganda this whole film this film feels like the equivalent of like if zemeckis's pinocchio is like someone talking down to a child guillermo del toro's pinocchio feels like an adult being way too (laughs) honest with a child (laughs) yeah in terms of just like being completely open and brazen about well this is how the world is right fascism is scary and they take (laughs) children yeah because of course in this version of the film because again it it was fun to watch this and now after seeing zemeckis and a true story because (laughs) zemeckis is pinocchio the film is not called zemeckis a pinocchio story (laughs) um well, finishing off these three films because it's like when we initially saw it, we saw it in November with an yeah. early screening. Yeah. Because this is this film was in theaters for a small period of time because Netflix is doing that with their bigger films, like this and Glass Onion got like a limited release run in theaters. And with this, you know, going into it, it's like when you see this film initially, you your brain is trying to constantly remember what the disney plot is because that's the only kind of reference probably a lot of us have yeah yeah. so when it makes these giant changes to the story that we kind of know in terms of that interpretation yeah it throws you off until you kind of go back and you rewatch the you know lesser versions of that and kind of now that you have your brain set up you can go into del toro's you can kind of see the beats in it yeah go oh i guess if you're doing Pinocchio and Fascist Italy, you're not going to have a Pleasure Island because pleasure is not for the fatherland. So you're, of right. course, going to have a fascist boys' academy. Yeah, Toyland is going to be a yeah military camp. Like. Yeah, no smoking and drinking. It's all about shooting each other with paint. Paint guns, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that makes – honestly, that does work. It's just insane initially to kind of put yeah. that into perspective of everything else. But in all honesty, I mean – I think this movie's great. 
but it has its flaws. I think yeah, it's the best way I can it, describe it. I mean, it's it. it's gorgeous to look oh, at. Oh, my and, God. And just stunning stop motion. And you can see that, I mean, I think Guillermo like, Del Toro has said that, um, like, the biggest like influence on his life has been animation yeah and the reason he wanted to do pinocchio is because pinocchio has like as a character is like the biggest influence on animation in his oh, mind yeah. in history it makes sense um, Be- so it's like he wants to do kind of the you know the the top of the hill thing oh, with yeah. animation and, and my- you can just see him see that love bleeding into every frame yeah because oh my god just the opening moments where you see people walk and it's so fluid. Yeah. And it's not in a fluid way where it's like there's no imperfections. It's fluid while being imperfect. The way the yeah. arms are moving, the way that like they're skipping it very human like, mm-hmm. despite the fact that they're dolls, and it's like <laughs> that's so much work. Yeah. There's yeah. so much pain and passion put into this and just a, clear yeah a ton of detail and like the background work too oh you know, god I, mean, I feel like watching henry Selick's movies like primed me you know yeah like oh, a pri- yeah a good primer for like watching oh, yeah. this movie because you'll just appreciate all the detail in it um, absolutely and it's and yeah it's just i i think the thing i admire most about it is just that yeah it is it is del toro's pinocchio like it's his version of the story yeah um, he did co-direct it with Mark Gustafson, who's been working in stop an- uh, stop motion animation for decades. But mm-hmm. it's very much kind of his like, oh, what's an interesting spin on the story I could give it, and this is that. And what kind of other you know social ideas could I explore with Pinocchio? You, you, and you get that here. You genuinely watch the film and go, yeah, this is the guy that sold me on a woman fucking a fish. Like this is <laughs> this man is really selling just wild ideas of like okay so the blue fairy is a wood sprite that looks like a biblically accurate angel to an extent okay yeah voiced by tilda swinton okay (laughs) uh geppetto is a drunk that makes pinocchio to be just like his son okay that's dark and also son dies in a bombing raid yeah his son dies in a church and it was a bombing raid that was accidental. Yeah. Like they were just trying to get rid of cargo so they'd be lighter, and they accidentally drop kill, a bomb. Yeah. They kill, they kill Pinot, they kill Geppetto's son, but not they don't destroy the church. <laughs> so the the crucifixion of Christ is just staring up there. at the yeah with one arm lost. The carnage, yeah. It's such a beautifully animated dark film that just feels like. Kids, I think, can definitely enjoy this, but unlike the original Disney film, it definitely, I think, does go a tinge dark enough that it's like, this might be hard for a child to understand right now. Yeah. So it's more maybe more like a teenage, kind of like a middle school, kind of going into high school. I feel like you can watch this and appreciate it a bit more than like the average Pinocchio like, yeah. viewer, which I... is like, what, six or seven? <laughs> I will say I was kind of surprised and a little bit impressed that like Del Toro exhibited the the restraint like there there aren't any like scary scenes like where it's actually like trying to like spook you or be creepy no, no, or no. whatever um, which I kind of was surprised that it wasn't more like macabre in that yeah. way I would say like some of Henry Selleck's films are creepier than this um, I'd say so but yeah in terms of the like content it's just darker yeah. and more serious not, any, not necessarily more serious but like 
you know, there's some real world horror in it. If anything, it makes like the, death and war. Oh uh, yeah, a lot of those fascism. moments are more less scary, more uncomfortable. Yeah, where like Geppetto making Pinocchio is in a drunken, <laughs> depressive rage. Yeah, where he is mad at God for taking his son away from him, and so yeah. it's like this isn't horrifying. This is just uncomfortable. And then he's like, in the best way. And then he's like super shitty to Pinocchio because he's like not his yeah. son. Because he's scared like, of That's him. dark. Yeah. He and throws him like, into a closet. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, though, in classic Del Toro fashion, a lot of that is in his usual films. Mm-hmm. But what's great about this one, too, is there's more comedy kind of laced inter like intermixed with the kind of uncomfortable darker moments. Because yeah. in that moment where like, you know, Geppetto is horrified of Pinocchio and is scared shitless and doesn't want anything to do with him. <laughs> there is a musical number where Pinocchio is trying to discover different things, which leads him to just start breaking things <laughs> and also finding a chamber pot and throwing it on Geppetto's head on accident. <laughs> so it's like Del Toro knows the best way to mix these two together, and I think it's you know really well done. I will say there is one aspect yeah. of the film that I did mention right now that we should talk about now because oh, I feel like yeah. it's – I think it's the biggest flaw for both of us, but less so for me, and that is the music. Mm-hmm. So the film is scored by Alexander Duplat, who is phenomenal, did the score for The Shape of Water, has done the score for many films, mm-hmm. but for has a relationship with Del Toro. And I think, did he win for Shape of Water? He might have. I, I think, think he's he won for something. He's definitely won, because he's a fucking phenomenal yeah, he's composer. Been he's a phenomenal composer. He did the score for the film, but... There are musical numbers that were written, uh, co-written by Guillermo del Toro. There were three writers to the songs, and they are full-blown musical numbers. These are situations where it's like the musical numbers themselves are phenomenal animation-wise. It is insane the amount of blocking, the amount of steps, the just the amount of time and effort they put into the dancing and the kind of the choreography itself. That, you know, you don't really think about the fact that, like, overall, well, I think I like the music. I think it's good. I do think, and I agree with you because we talked about this, it's, if there's anything that could be cut from this film, yeah, it could be the musical numbers. Yeah, especially just with it being, I mean, this basically is a musical, and I don't, it is. I, I don't know that, yeah, I don't, maybe other people are more aware of that than me. I had no idea it was no, a musical going I didn't in, either. And. We sat in that theater. And when that first song came out, it was we it like, wasn't the, uh, oh. it wasn't Geppetto's song. It was actually the second song because when we heard Geppetto's song, I was like, "Oh, this is cute. Yeah, this is sweet. He's got it. Yeah, you know, this is kind of Disney esque in a way, but it also is very melancholic in the right way." Yeah. And and then ultimately, when it gets to Pinocchio's first musical number, that's when we went, "Oh, this is so this musical. is a full blown musical yeah. right now." Okay, yeah, okay. and and yeah, for me, I think a lot of the musical numbers. Yes, the visual sequences that accompany them are gorgeous. I think the music's just kind of fillery or like first drafty where it's like, oh, we need to have a song here. But I know that's not the way Del Toro approached yeah. it. It's not I, like he was just plugging stuff in. Mm-hmm. I think it was just, yeah, it just didn't work for me. He, he's making his own. This is his kid's film. Yeah. Right. Like, this is a Gamble Del Toro kid's film, and it's like, clear that like he likes musicals yeah and it was i think this is just his first knack at it yeah he's just trying it out like yeah i feel like you know if he if he did like a mountains of madness and he had fucking music in it it's like okay well we'll see how this goes but this i make sense because this is a whimsical fairy tale that is trying to be a bit more upbeat in between the conversations about you know 
being um, like mistakes, burdens, uh, life in general, war, the loss of war, the cost of, you know, the cost of a soul at some point. There's yeah. like a lot of soul talk and life and death. And Pinocchio dies a lot in this movie. That is, I will say. Which is kind of the the big like plot structural difference. That is one of the best decisions they made for this film yeah. because that immediately just deviates from every other version of yeah, this film yeah. where it's like in the original film after you told me that they're more like vignettes that were kind of like chapters mm-hmm. in a magazine you see that in the original disney film in terms of like set the, pieces the set pieces yeah. but like the fact that they just go outright like no every vignette starts with pinocchio and ends with him dying <laughs> yeah it's like that is which feels a bit a great. bit like a nod to the original story because yeah. he dies oh, yeah. like halfway or a third of the way into the story, and so in this he dies pretty early on, and then he keeps dying and keeps he, dying. He and... meets this. Oh my god! It was watching when we saw it in theaters, and he died. I can't remember what our reactions were, but because <laughs> again, when we were filming this or recording this, this is like an hour ago that I had rewatched it with my roommates and. Adam's response when, when he, he dies when, when Jiminy when, when Sebastian Cricket Sebastian J Cricket goes Pinocchio was dead that was for sure <laughs> and he went what <laughs> and then it cuts to a bunch of skeletal jackrabbits oh yeah taking him up a hill of caskets yeah and then they are playing cards because they're all off duty and then Pinocchio wants to play cards and then it leads to him meeting. An angelic sphinx yeah. with eyes in her horns, and you go, "What the fuck <laughs> is this? Is this is phenomenal. This is wild." <laughs> yeah. And then from that point forward, I think the film, I mean, the, the film is good up until that point, but I think from that point forward, the film just ramps up in absurdity in the best way. It's comedy. It's kind of it's heart. Yeah, because you get you get some great comedic moments. I mean, anything with Sebastian Cricket is delightful because it's clear that like Del Toro was maybe at an early stage was thinking like, do we do like he just kills Sebastian and just like brushes it off like he just killed one of his friends and maybe a ghost just shows up or it's like, or what if one of the like running gags of the film is that he never dies? Yeah, like he just constantly gets smashed. And just like gets hit all the time, and yet he's fine. Right. <laughs> nothing. Right. Nothing happens to you, McGregor, or Sebastian J. Cricket. <laughs> yeah. He also lives in Pinocchio's heart, which is awesome. Yeah, I that love was, that that's design a fun too. Little detail. They also love that Sebastian has a little mustache. Uh, oh yeah. His little mustache. Uh, there's Geppetto. Geppetto is phenomenal. If if there's anybody, I would say is the best actor in this film. It's you said David, David Bradley, Bradley yeah. as Geppetto, which you may know. Uh, I can't wait for Harry Potter fans to be mad at me for not knowing his name. But the the janitor with the cat in Harry Potter. Uh, Filch. Filch, thank you. Yeah. I, he's on the tip of my tongue. I could see his face very vividly. <laughs> his name escapes me every time. Yeah. But yeah, the actor that plays Filch in the Harry Potter films is Geppetto in this. And my God. Yeah, he's awesome. I didn't realize until the second time going through it where it's like the amount of emotion he's putting into this performance. Mm-hmm. It was like, I cannot believe that this man has had this in him and all I know him as is really Filch. <laughs> from harry fucking potter man's been around yeah been all over the place this is also like compared to all three of these films a stacked fucking cast 
Yes. You, you have David Bradley as Geppetto. Uh, is it what? Who's the son? Is it Gregory Mann as Pinocchio? Who's a good singer? Uh, I, think, I think so. I think the yeah. kid who plays Pinocchio is really, really good. I will say across the I, of the yeah, last two films, yeah, the kid that plays Pinocchio in the Zemeckis version does a good job with what he's given. Yeah, he's the, just literally doing the same yeah. Pinocchio. Yeah. It's, oh, oh boy. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like kind of that shit. Well, as in this, Gregory Mann, I think, does a really good job, and I think the music is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Chow Papa is still the best song of all of them. It's such a silly name. Yeah. But I think he sells it in terms of just like this very sad yet, you know, very loving song to his father. And it's clear like this is the song that Netflix is pushing because if you go uh-huh. on Spotify or YouTube or even like any kind of like platform that does music, it is like the only song you can get on the film right, right now because right. the score is not fully out yet. But, you know, you have that. You have Ron Perlman as fascist father. Yeah, right. Who, yeah. uh He's is, like the leader of the military unit and in their um, hometown. He's like he's yeah. like the observer for Yeah, he's like leading the, camp. the fascist. Yeah. And then uh yeah, like you mentioned Tilda Swinton. Um Tilda Swinton as the Wood Sprites, both Woods, of the Wood Sprites. Yes. Because um, I thought yeah, we watched this, we thought cuz Kate Blanchett's in it too. We thought yes. they were each one of the Wood Sprite. Cuz nothing's funnier than having Kate Blanchett and Tilda Swinton play characters like that two look versions very of the similar. same character. But yeah. that's not the truth. Yeah. What really happened is <laughs> a true story. The, Pinocchio the real, a true story. What we found that. out at the very end is Kate Blanchett actually plays Volpe's like Volpe, it's the the carnival broker. Yeah, yeah. The leader of the carnival. He she plays the carnival leader's monkey, Spartuza. <laughs> so she just makes monkey noises the she whole movie. She makes monkey noises, but also she and does the awesome. she does the puppets that Spartuza yeah, mimes. Yeah. Which is I think El Diablo, and then there's like a king and a queen kind of yeah. version of it. And like you if I was listening this time, because I was like, okay, now that I know this is Kate. Yeah. I want to hear the puppets, and you hear her doing like little voices for, uh-huh. the, for each puppet. But and... that was that was just the funniest revelation after watching this because we were like sure, like certain that oh yeah, Tilda and Kate, that's so that's so cute. They play would, two why, versions of the same character. Why would she be the fucking monkey? <laughs> oh, she's an ape. She's Spartuza. Oh, everyone's ape. favorite character from this film. Yeah, I do love Spartuza. Though. Yeah, he's, he's a good pretty boy. great. Uh, um, Christoph Waltz is Volpe. He's mm-hmm. Volpe. He is he is very fucking good as an, an the main antagonistic force for the majority of the film. Uh, you also get Tom Kenny, like we said from a true story. Yep. He plays not only does he play a <laughs> random fisherman, he also plays Benito Mussolini yeah. for a scene. <laughs> Why not? And it's great because when you hear him as the fisherman, it's just you hear him play yeah, Patchy, like, oh, he's, he's he's Patchy the Pirate. Kenny. Yeah. And then when you hear Mussolini. He just like, yeah, I can't believe Kenny's also Benito Mussolini. Yeah. It um, is. Yeah, Finn Wolfhard is Candlewick. He's Candlewick, uh, and I John think he Tuturo does a decent job. Is the yeah the doctor, um, uh, yep. and Tim Blake Nelson is the the poker playing Black Rabbit. He's the Black Rabbits. So, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a wild cast. Yeah, and Burn Gorman, who plays a priest in the film, is also a a Del Toro. Not a mainstay, but he was uh, Charlie Day's partner, yeah. science partner in Pacific Rim. Right. So, like, you get a bunch of people that have clearly worked with Del Toro and love working with him and are like, yeah, sure, sure, Guillermo, I'll be your monkey in this film. <laughs> and it's like, they just kill it. Just It's like yeah. a star-studded cast for a, for a film that you're like, oh, my God. They came in for that? 
And that just shows how much people like how like Del Toro. And it's clear too that like they have both Blanchett and Blake Nelson. Like obviously it's like tail end of Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, would you like to do this? I think you'd have a good voice for this. And it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. All right, let's get you in the booth. Gosh, could you imagine like <laughs> we get to Oscar season and it's like you know best animated film is Pinocchio and. Uh, you have Best Picture nominee, Tar, and it's like, you know what? Kate Blanchett is actually in two of the films. <laughs> yeah. She plays a monkey in one and a composer in the other. Which one is it? You'll never know. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh, not it's not hard to appreciate this movie in in comparison to the other two a- adaptations. Oh, absolutely. But I think the thing that like I most appreciated about Del Toro's version is that he basically like spins he actually takes the source material and creates new meaning out of it. Like, oh yeah, the the a true story is just kind of the same story again, but he does different things with different characters this time. Mm-hmm. And then Disney Plus is exactly the same thing again, but neutered and chopped of all meaning. Yeah. And then this, he literally like flips the meaning of the original story, which was meant to be like a cautionary tale about being a disobedient child or you know not listening to your parents or mm-hmm. engaging in vices flips that on its head to be more of a movie about like be yourself and stand up for yourself and because it i mean yeah be yourself and make the life that you have count yeah it's fascinating to have a child at one point in this film say on i unironically i love not being able to die this is great (laughs) yeah and having like a sphinx character be like you may not be able to die but everyone else around you will die yeah, and have this kid realize that like the time that he has, he just has to cherish it for what it is and cherish the relationships yeah. that he has. And it is fascinating to see Del Toro be like, "Yeah, this is yeah, this story about a wooden boy who wants to be real is really a story about life and death." Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, I guess yeah, yeah, you could spin it that way and it would kind of work. Yeah, and it is fascinating to be like, yeah, the, the disobedient part of it is lost because like. It's a different time period. Yeah. It's fascist Italy. Like, if you don't follow the rules, they're going to force you to follow the rules. Yeah, it's literally everybody living in this time is, like, being puppeted by a fascist government. And this is kind of about breaking free of those those rhythms and And you get a wonderful anti-war message in the fact that geppetto hates war because they took his son needlessly and doesn't want his new son to go to fight in war but due to his chaotic naivete he just wants to do things yeah he wants to try it out he's like i want to learn how to shoot a gun (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just a really it's i would argue it's and again there's been like 87 pinocchio films in the last 20 years probably that i don't know about but i think of the mainstream pinocchio projects that we are aware of as well as you know the mimi ones we've talked about here this is probably the best use of the pinocchio story i've seen in a film yeah like ever i agree like i think this is like is this the best del toro film No. no but i would say that like if this is true in terms of like del toro has talked around this film where it's like hey you know what i would be down to do more stop motion films particularly i could maybe do a mountains of madness adaptation (laughs) stop motion if this is just like a new era of del toro starting where he's more animation heavy Mm -hmm. or he's like and while he's doing that he's doing you know cabinet curiosities as a producer and giving more horror directors that he appreciates you know time to shine in the limelight 
I think that's phenomenal. Because I think if this is just if, as his very first stop motion film, it's just like, this is unfair how good this is <laughs> with Mark Gustafson as I mean, as the director obviously helps this film be so much better because of his experience on top of Del Toro's being able to like basically guide Del Toro's hand in the right place mm-hmm. and be hopefully like I, I think Del Toro's probably given a lot of props to Gustafson as well because you you'd have to. Because a lot of animation directors just don't get that love. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, best animated feature, and that's when they, like, you know, <laughs> they accept the award at that point. But Yeah. Interesting thing about um, Mark, as I was looking him up, one of the, like, most prominent things that kept popping up in his, um, his previous work mm-hmm. was that horrifying stop-motion children's show The Adventures of Mark Twain from, like, the 80s or holy, 90s. Dude, holy shit. Yeah, he, he wasn't, like, the director or anything, but he no. worked on the animation for that. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's that dark-ass I, children's show I, is showing back up I on sh- Netflix as Pinocchio. I shit you not. Like, the Mysterious Stranger segment of The yeah. Adventures of Mark Twain, I've seen that whole film. Because I think they cut it down to like a film oh, size. Yeah. I think it's like eighty minutes, but like that film has always stuck with me yeah. since I saw it. Just it's horrifying, and there's just segments of where it's like you can just see that like this is something that most people aren't going to use stop animation for because it's hard to sell. Like this is horrifying. <laughs> this is like really whimsical, but also terrifying. And kids are involved. Yeah. And so the best. Oh my god, that's such a good combination. <laughs> Having someone who's kind of worked in that field with stop motion and claymation, because like there's some claymation aspects mm-hmm. in there, well, and kind of mix it together with Del Toro sensibilities of just the very, you know, the whimsical nature of what he likes to talk about, but also the tragedy intermingled with that. Yeah, because a lot of Pinocchio also you see and like you see a lot of Pan's Labyrinth in Pinocchio, the fact that it's like this very whimsical air to it during a war. Yeah, <laughs> and you see a lot of the things that you love about Del Toro just kind of sprinkled in there and a lot of Christ imagery, which was also kind of fucking wild, <laughs> but I think works really well. I think it's a great moment when Pinocchio points at the crucifixion and goes, they're scared of me and I'm made of wood, but they love him and they praise him. What's that about? And then instead of trying to do something like answer the impossible question, Geppetto goes into the people are afraid of what they don't understand. Yeah. Which kind of also is in the same vein as talking about Jesus in some degree. So it's like, this is kind of a way to kind of do that con- that conversation without being like, oh, there's a lot you oh, can yeah. do with this. And just, I just love Del Toro. And I thought like, yeah. in all honesty, it's it's worth going through a true story. And Zemeckis is Pinocchio to a degree to get to this point <laughs> again, because it's, I don't know if I'd say it's one of the best films I've seen this year, but I argue it's like it's it's definitely a very worthwhile experience. It's yeah. such a such a fun time. Definitely and, one of the more interesting kind of animated offerings yeah. this year. And despite all the things that people have issues with with Netflix that I think are absolutely warranted, I'm glad that they saved this project when it was on Death's Door. Because this film was basically yeah. in production almost independently and then they almost lost funding. Right. And it's like, it's not going to happen. And then Netflix goes, no, fuck, it is going to happen. <laughs> it's ours now, baby. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, that's awesome. Good for Del Toro and, and Gustafsson and the whole team at Shadow Machine. Like, I would love to see, like, them do more films together, mm-hmm. especially Mountains of Madness. Did oh, you my see God. The Del Toro posted the test footage from his 
um, animated Mountains of Madness attempt? No. He posted CGI test footage of <sighs> Mountains of Madness. Yeah. I'm going to watch that it's, right It's very this. brief. It's like 10 seconds I on don't, Instagram. But I it's cool. do not care. <laughs> Just any little bit of that. That is, yeah. that is a film that I feel like if it hasn't been in development more than any of his other projects, yeah. it's felt like it. Yeah. And I would just... Uh. He's always got, like, five things in development hell, though. Yeah, because I think it's he's a man that, like, has such he's, a creative mind that, like, he's he doesn't know what people want from him. Yeah, and he's got niche he, interests, too. Oh, yeah. The man's a, the man's a weirdo. Like, I say when that the rest of the love. industry has abandoned Lovecraft, he loves Lovecraft and wants yeah. to make Lovecraft. Because there is very much elements of Lovecraft that still are relevant today intermixed with the xenophobia and, and yeah, the racism yeah. in that there is a way to adapt it in a way where you can see <laughs> well set set every uh lovecraft adaptation in fascist italy <laughs> spin it on its head <laughs> that's yeah. really what lovecraft wanted the entire time right well he was scared of everything around yeah. him naming his cat racial slurs oh yeah and just like being friends like having a jewish wife while also being anti-semitic <laughs> yeah. and like one of his best friends being gay even though he was homophobic like yeah. it's clear that like that man was just a very conflicted a, yeah pressure individual. a pressure cooker and pressure cooker of just anxiety yeah no wonder and he came up with existential horror yeah, the fear of the other yeah where the other is yeah it could be someone who's not of his skin or of his religion but also is just anything that isn't yeah. him yeah and of course, Del Toro, like, I mean, because Del Toro's done documentaries about uh, Lovecraft. He's talked about, you know, the things he loves about Lovecraft. And it's like, yeah, of course, this man would just take this material and I would say amplify it in a way that I don't think Lovecraft could have even imagined. Yeah. If he had even thought about that being a possibility. But yeah, that is Del Toro's Pinocchio, the best of these three films and the only one we would say is worth watching. Yeah, it was like definitely check it out yeah um, absolutely but yeah i mean there is there is one we left off we could have done pinocchio 3000 from 2004 the sci-fi cgi future pinocchio story starring malcolm mcdowell if we want to do a prequel yeah we certainly could we could go back you've in been time. warned listener if, if you want that if you really want we that, rewind for Pinocchio three thousand. Listen, I've got enough plans for the beginning of this year. I got <laughs> plans. I know what we could do, but hey, I will. I will mix in some Pinocchio three thousand. Pinocchio three thousand, also known as P three K. Is know, that really? That's, is that's that really the, the subtitle? That's what? Well, that's just like an alternate title because okay. you know people totally called it that. That's, this sounds like a P three K. This sounds like a Japanese game, and I love it. <laughs> that's so great. But yeah. That is our final trilogy of the year, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, because guess what? Our next episode is going to hit New Year's Eve, the mm-hmm. last day of the year, because it is going to be our top 10 of 2022. It's that time of the year, folks. We're going to go through the year yet again and discuss our best, you know, our favorite films of the year. Yeah. Talk about even some of our least favorite films we've seen, even though we've talked about one here. <laughs> Actually, we've talked about two of them in two different trilogies. <laughs> But we're going to talk about the year in general, what we have planned coming yeah. up, and also just, you know, talk about the year in general and what we, probably our favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and also the ones that we wish could have come out, Monkey Bone. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. But, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Tune in on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. to hear Logan and Andy's top 10 of 2022. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.